Let us pray. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand, for I I am weak, I am worn through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light, oh, take my hand, precious Lord, and lead me home. This is our prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I have a confession to make. There are things that I wish Jesus never said. I love Jesus. But why did he have to go and mess with our safe and comfortable life of discipleship and say, not once, but twice, Love your enemies. He could have just said it once, and we could have easily glossed over it, but he repeats it. Maybe it's his way of telling us how to handle Duke's basketball loss to Carolina the other night and stop chanting, go to hell, Carolina. I don't know, but I wish Jesus never said it because now we all have to deal with it. Love your enemies? Really, Jesus? He must have forgotten what it's like to be human by spouting off this pious injunction like a utopian dreamer or impractical idealist. Love your enemies? Lure you outside of sanctuary in the United Methodist Church in Durham with the ulterior motives of capturing you and separating you from your family just because of your immigration status. Love your enemy? Sitting in a Bible study in an AME church in Charleston, South Carolina, only to be greeted by gunshots from an attendee just because of the color of your skin. Love your enemy? Super ridiculous high rates of sexual assault occurrences on college campuses all over this nation, including Duke. Love your enemy? Smile in your face and talk behind your back, Christian. Love your enemy. Jesus 
looks crazy, but he's crazy for love. And his command is very practical, down-to-earth, incarnational theology for our lives. Love your enemies. As you sit here, is there anybody with whom you are out of harmony today? Do you see the face of someone who comes between you and God? Barbara Brown Taylor says, my enemy is created in the image of God. I just got to live with that. It sucks, but I don't think there's any fine print on that one. I wish Jesus never said what he said. There he goes again, Professor Lisher, challenging and critiquing my comfy Christianity. But we don't have to listen. Jesus makes that clear, but I say to you that listen. That means not everyone is listening. Not everyone wants to hear this because it's too easy to live by the rules of retaliation. We are hated, so we hate. We get cursed at, so we curse back. We get abused, so we abuse. But if we listen, there's another way. Another word spoken twice, love your enemies. The road of lethal retaliation may feel really good actually. And we may think what Jesus says is all about the enemy, saving them, redeeming them, treating them better. We, we might find ourselves questioning, what about me, God? I'm the one who has been harmed. In the heart of the civil rights movement and struggle against racial segregation in the 1960s, Yosef Iman penned a poem called Love Your Enemy. Brought here in slave ships and pitched overboard, love your enemy. Language taken away, culture taken away, love your enemy. Work from sunup to sundown, love your enemy. Last hired, first fired, love your enemy. Rape your mother, love your enemy. Lynch your father, love your enemy. Bomb your churches, love your enemy. Kill your children, love your enemy. Forced to fight his wars, love your enemy. Pay the highest rent, love your enemy. Sell you rotten food, love your enemy. Forced to live in slums, love your enemy. Dilapidated schools, love your enemy. Put you in jail, love your enemy. Bitten by dogs, love your enemy. Water holds you down, love your enemy. Love, 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 love for everybody else. But when will we love ourselves? Love for everybody else he says. Love for the enemy, but what about love for me, God? What about me? What about loving ourselves? Just as Jesus inverts the norms of the day in his blessings and woes right before this love command, he alters the way we should think about loving enemies. The paradox is that love for your enemies isn't only about them. It's about you. Loving 
your enemies is a form of loving yourself. It's not only about what love will do for or to your enemy, but it's about what love will do for and to you. Remember what James Baldwin writes in The Fire Next Time? Hatred, he says, which could destroy so much, never failed to destroy the man who hated. And this was an immutable law. Remember, hate destroys the hater and the hated. So when you love your enemy, you are actually loving yourself too. Jesus is trying to save us. Loving your enemy means you will not destroy the other person nor yourself. You've heard, do to others as you would have them do to you. But I'm saying this morning, do to yourself what you want others to do to themselves. Love your enemy because hate in the long run is about as nourishing as cyanide. Jesus gives this command because he doesn't want us to kill ourselves and become the very thing we hate, thus becoming the enemy by hating in the same way the enemy has hated us. Loving your enemy is a way of avoiding the enemy within us all. If we aren't careful, when we look into the mirror, we may see our enemies if we allow hate to turn us into the enemy. One Sunday, a priest was preaching on this same biblical text. And he said to his congregation, I'll bet there are many of us here who feel as if we have many enemies in our lives. And so raise your hands if, if you have many enemies. And quite a few people raised their hands. And then he says, now raise your hands if you only have a few enemies. And then it was about half the congregation, as many raised their hands. And now raise your hands if you only have one or two enemies. Fewer people raised their hands. See, the, the priest said, most of us feel like we have enemies. Now raise your hands if you have no enemies at all. The priest looked around and he finally way in the back. An elderly man raised his hand and he stood up and said, I have no enemies whatsoever. The priest was so delighted to hear this that he invited that man up front to the front of the church. What a blessing, he says. What a, how old are you? I'm 98 years old, this man said. I have no enemies. What a wonderful Christian life you lead, sir. Tell us all oh, how it is that you have no enemies. And the elderly man said, all the bastards have died. <laughs> That's how you have no enemies. <laughs> Love your enemies when they are living because it will not only affect them, but also you. Loving your enemies is not about changing the other, but allowing love to change you and free you from the enslavement of hatred and bitterness. In a sermon on this very topic, the Reverend Howard Thurman preached, it may be that you feel you have the right to be out of harmony because you know you have never done to anybody what was done to you. Yet, you must find a way to love your enemy if you want to be whole. Not if you want to redeem your enemy, but because you want to be whole. 
A part of you is caught in the deed which he or she has done, and you must get out of it to restore wholeness to yourself. Jesus knew that love can set us free and make us whole. He knew that love can change the enemy, but also change us. This command is about us. This command is about us becoming more like God, more merciful and less judgmental more unconditional and less reciprocal in our relationships. Jesus sets the theological context for his command. God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. The command, love your enemies, is set within the unconditional, inclusive mercy and presence of God. In the ancient Hellenistic world, relationships were viewed as reciprocal. I do good to you with the expectation that you will do good to me in the future. I give in order to get. I love in order to be loved. But Jesus urges another way in the kingdom of God, a way not based on reciprocity, but unconditional redemption, restoration, and relationships which love, do good, and give, and expect nothing in return. In this way, a person is kind in order to be kind, not to receive kindness. One loves just to love, seeking nothing in return. In this way, we reveal that we are God's children. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. I wish Jesus never said that because mercy is releasing people and circumstances from the recrimination they deserve. And boy, is it great to see our enemies get what they deserve. Love your enemies. Just like God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. It's counterintuitive then and now, but real love, God's love, agape, is unconditional. Remember, God is not fair, God is love. And there is nothing that we or our enemies can do to earn it. None of us deserve it. We don't get from God what we really deserve. God loves us even when hate is the refrain of the world's chorus. God is all-inclusive when it comes to love, and Jesus' command to love enemies is a path toward broadening the borders of our hearts beyond the erected walls of exclusion we build to block the other out. So when you follow this God, it means that when the opportunity presents itself for you to defeat your enemy, that is the time which you must not do it. When you have the upper hand, that is not the time to give them your backhand. You must not seek to destroy because by doing so, you will also destroy yourself. God's love is kind and merciful and extends out like a communion table, extends life to all, your enemies and you. 
God's love builds community, restores our common humanity, affirms human dignity, worth, and value rather than reveling in dehumanizing mean-spirited tactics. Love is for the oppressed and the oppressor, the righteous and the wicked. Love your enemies is a call to the wideness of God's mercy, knowing that what you do to someone else, you are paradoxically doing it to yourself. Jesus calls us to become bigger, larger, like God. James Baldwin once said, if the concept of God has any validity or any use, it can only be to make us larger, freer, and more loving. If God cannot do this, then it is time we got rid of him. Even when some want to get rid of God, God never gets rid of us because God is love and larger than life and larger than us. God loves enemies. God loves you. God loves and it is this love, this love that will save the world, our nation, and our relationships. It's this love that will never let us down. It is this love that will never end. It is this love that will always hold us, help us, save us, redeem us. What the world needs now is love, not just for some, but for everyone. Love your enemies. That is something I wish Jesus never said, but without it, we all would be dead. Because the apostle Paul teaches, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? God's love saves. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea, heard my despairing cry and from the waters he lifted me now safe am i love lifted me love lifted me when nothing else could help love lifted me for jesus there are no countries to be conquered no ideologies to be imposed, no people to be dominated. There are only children, women, and men to be loved. And Jesus demonstrates this even when he's about to die. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He loved his enemies to the very end, expecting nothing in return. For where God is, even on a cross, love is. God is unconditional love. God isn't hate. God is love. And there is no future for our world. There is no future for our nation, 
There is no future for our lives without this love. And what the world needs now is love. What we need now is love, not just for some, but for everyone. <laughs>